Welcome to My Runner's Mind, where we run with gratitude towards a life of happiness and gratefulness. I'm your host, Stina Turgeon, and I believe that as runners, we're uniquely positioned to choose gratitude over negativity. Running itself is so badass, and each run offers multiple opportunities to turn a potentially negative thought or feeling into a positive one. Tune in as I'll share behind the scenes of what goes into my 12-week program, My Runner's Mind, which is mindset and spiritual coaching for women runners who know that they're ready to shift away from the shoulds and ought tos in their running routine and replace them with want and desire to live a happier and more balanced life. Are you ready? Let's go! Hi friends, runners. Maybe you're dreaming about becoming a runner. Maybe you ask yourself if you're really a runner. Either way, welcome to episode 102. Today I have another podcast guest that I'm excited to share with you. Melody Bateman is a run coach and an ultra runner. As you know, I have recently started zone two running in order to embark on 80-20 running. So I have a lot of questions, questions that I bet you can relate to also. And I was looking for answers to them. So I reached out to Melody and today we're going to get all the answers. And I also want to give you guys a training update on my zone two running progress you might be wondering how it's going. Some of you might remember that I started back at the beginning of April and that I used the Maffetone method, which is 180 minus your age, in order to determine my heart rate for my runs. I decided to give myself a month of four runs a week, so approximately 20 miles a week, to get started on it myself. And I saw some real progress. Did I still have to walk? For sure. But, and I also learned to monitor my walking, right? In the beginning, I was just out there power walking between my runs, realizing that I was spiking my heart rate also. So I learned to monitor that. But during that month, I noticed how my heart rate lowered faster and faster during my walking segments. So that's really exciting. Now, I knew that at some point I was going to sign up with a run coach to get a tailored plan and custom feedback. And I did. A few weeks ago, I signed up with Melody as my coach. She knows my goal is to do 80-20 running and to be able to sustain it for half marathon, even marathon distances. And I'm really excited to see what the next chapter of my running will bring. And I will bring you guys along during updates. So the biggest change since adding Melody on as my coach has been that I'm now adding in a little bit of speed work, strides, for Melody's suggestions. Because it sort of keeps the body on its toes, pun intended. So all of a sudden, zone two effort doesn't seem too hard for the body, right? Anyways. Listen on, as I'm sure you'll enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody. So super excited about this episode today. I'm joined here for the second time on this podcast by Melody Bateman. Welcome, Melody. Hi, thanks for having me. 
I am so excited. I'm really, really excited that you were ready and willing to jump on this talk with me today because it's a hot topic we're going to be talking about. So super excited. But before we get into zone two, 80-20 and all that stuff, I just want to turn it over to Melody real quick. She can introduce herself so that you guys know who you are listening to. Go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself, Melody. Sure. So my name is Melody Bateman. I'm also known as the Pine Tree Runner on Instagram. So I'm- cute. <laughs> I'm a coach and I, my specialty is I help people train for their first ultra race. I also have a podcast called Chala 100 and Chala 100 is a podcast for people wanting to run their first 100 mile race. So I live in Ogden, Utah, married, pregnant. So expecting October. Yeah. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah. So, so neat. And so for those of you, if you have not listened to the other podcast we did, it was episode nine and it was Melody sharing her ultra running career with us. So that's pretty cool. And she's not very old. So I think it's really cool that she's an ultra runner, (laughs) but I brought Melody on today because I kind of follow her and she's also in my Facebook group, which used to be called train for half marathon, which is now running a line body and mind. Anyways, Melody has some really neat, very commonsensical ways of understanding all this zone two running, very technical terms for those of us that don't live and breathe it in our jobs. And maybe you want to just tell people what you do for a living also, because you're, you're a PA, right? Or not a PA, but a physical okay. therapist. Yeah. So I did go to school to be a physical therapist assistant. I did that for a while. I worked with runners rehabbing and preventing injuries. I since have quit that. So I'm coaching full-time now. Full-time. Okay. But so Melody comes with that background. So my point just being, I'm a lot more lay person than Melody is. I wanted to bring somebody with a lot more technical knowledge onto the podcast. And she has some really good visuals that I hope we can also kind of delve into because for those of us that are more lay people, it's just easier to understand instead of all that very technical stuff. So on some of the previous episodes, I think it's episodes 97, 98, I started talking about zone two running and my own journey into zone two, I kind of failed at it last year. I dabbled in it, but like so many people, it really just got to me mentally because it's like, I'm walking here. Am I a runner anymore? I'm walking all the time to keep my heart rate down, right? And so I kind of just let it go. And then I decided this year that after all is a reading an article that kind of made me realize that zone two is more than just only getting to a faster PR. It's also about good health and longevity. And I think that's missed maybe by a lot of us recreational runners because we're so stats obsessed. We think it's all about speed. But after I read that article, I kind of got kind of concerned because I had noticed myself, I'm I plateaued. I want to say, and I felt sometimes my, my breathing was off when I was running and even for hours afterwards, right after a run. So the last month, if you're listening in real time, the last month I've been doing zone two on, on every single run. So I just wanted to bring you on Melody. I have some questions for you and anything else that you think, especially novice zone two runners need to know, right? So just setting the stage here, let's see, I guess a broad question for you could be what do runners who want to run in zone two need to know? That's very broad and I'm sure we'll make it more specialized or (laughs) detailed, but I'll just start there for you. The good place to start. 
I'm so passionate about this. I'm so excited to talk about it. And I love that you brought up that 80-20 running. It's going to help you run for longer. The thing with 80-20 running or, or zone two running is you are running slower and it is going to take longer to build your fitness, but you're building a more solid foundation so you can continue to run for your entire life. So I guess a newbie needs to know about zone two running. Well, first of all, they need to know what 80-20 running is, and then they need to understand zones, and then they need to understand how to apply it. So I, I can just dive into that and then and just stop me because I can I can talk all day. <laughs> you can go on for days. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Find so, your pens, listeners. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get a little techie here, but I'll, I'll try to keep it fairly simple. So... Now, which it, it really is. 80-20 really is simple. It doesn't have to be super complicated. So basically 80-20 running is 80% of your total run volume is at a low, easy intensity. Mm-hmm. And 20% of your total run volume is at a very high, intense intensity. And before I dive more into 80-20 running, I want to explain five zones And there's a few different ways you can figure out your zones. For a beginner or novice runner, I think the best way to determine your zones is off of rate of perceived exertion. And and I'll explain this in a second. So rate of perceived Mm -hmm. exertion and your breathing. So let me explain the zones really quick. So five zones. So rate of perceived exertion is how hard does it feel to you on a scale of one to 10? Right. So zone one is it feels like, one to two out of 10 effort. Zone two is a three to four out of 10 effort. This is where you're probably going to be spending most of your time is three to four, three to four. out of 10. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Zone three is five to six out of 10 effort. Zone four is seven to eight out of 10. Zone five is nine to 10 out of 10. It's hard right. as you can go. It's like a sprint, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just to put it in perspective. Yeah. Another way you can look at it, because as, as a beginner runner, it's kind of easy to lie to yourself and tell yourself, oh, no, this is easy, but you're actually pushing too hard. Another way you can determine these zones is with mm-hmm. your breath. Zone one, you can talk comfortably forever. Mm-hmm. Zone two, you can talk easily, but maybe not comfortably. Maybe it's a little bit harder to talk, but but it still is. You can have a full conversation here. Right. Zone three you can talk between gasps. It's very- And that really surprised me. I mean, I read your thing on that. I was like, oh, wow, that's a big jump. Yeah, 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 it is. It's a very big jump. Zone four is you can maybe get one or two words out in between gasps. You can maybe say one or two things. And then zone five, you're pushing so hard. One word is impossible. Yeah, you're not worried about talking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. You're in too much pain to talk at that point. <laughs> and if I can just interject here real quick, because the last one you mentioned, the one on breath is a little easier for me to conceptualize because I have to admit, I'm, I mean, I've run for five years, so I probably still fall in the category of somewhat novice runner or whatnot, but I have a hard time judging what is hard anymore because that's what I know, Right. So the breath, though, doesn't lie. It's very easy for me 
to go back to the breath. So I really appreciated that way of conceptualizing it. My only problem is I run pretty much all my runs by myself. So of course, I could always start singing just to kind of check. (laughs) But I like the I like kind of the breath test or the breath check that you share. Yeah, it just kind of gives you an idea. And, And that's a good point. If you're someone who's been running for a while, and you've been running in your zone three, right? which you're not supposed to run in. And I'll talk about that in a second. If you're running in your zone three all the time, then you do get comfortable in zone three. And then all of a sudden that feels easy to you. So you can kind of confuse the zone. So yeah, but paying attention to your breathing. And then one more thing that I want to bring up is mm-hmm. I do have some clients who are like, they can literally talk through through all of it. They're in zone four and they're just talking. Because they're <laughs> so used to training outside of their zones or in the wrong zones or that's part of the reason. And they also just force the words out. <laughs> like they just mm. force it. And, and so that doesn't work for them. Cause they're like, I don't get it. Cause I can talk in any zone that can get a little bit tricky, but just kind of pay attention to how you're feeling. Like, how is it really difficult to talk? Like, yes, maybe you are having a conversation at zone four, but you're, you're sweating, you're huffing and puffing. It's really uncomfortable Yeah. versus this a really easy conversation. Like it zone two should be like, you're having a conversation like me and you are having right now. Super yeah. easy. Right. Right. Yeah. That puts it into perspective. That's a good point too. And I think what that also leads me to think about and really want to make sure I share with the listeners is that, you know, if you choose to delve into zone two or zone running and 80, 20 training, you're actually having more of a mind body approach, a mindful approach to running, right? Because you kind of wanting to be in sync with your body instead of just forcing your body, which I think, and I don't know if you can relate, but a lot of us, especially women have come into running for those reasons, right? It's like, it's mind over matter and mind over body and we're going to lose calories and you know, all those things. Right. So yes, I think that is one of the biggest downfalls of running because running, running attracts a lot of type a people who love the stats and they love the numbers. And one of the biggest downfalls is getting too caught up in the miles and the paces. And really, you need to listen to your body. I I think running really is a great tool to teach you how to let go of control and just Mm. accept where you're at. I love it. So good. Yeah. All right. Carry on. (laughs) Okay. So so to continue what 80-20 running is. So now we understand the five zones. So 80-20 running, you want to spend 80% in zones one and zones two and 20% in zones four and zones five. Zone three is considered black hole zones. You don't touch zone three. The reason for that is because zone three is too fast to be able to sustain day in and day out. It increases your risk of injury. You're not getting the full aerobic benefit that you get in zones one and zones two. Zone three is not fast enough to get the anaerobic benefit that you get in zones four and zones five. So even though, you know, let's say you get out and run for an hour in zone three, you're sweating, you're having puffing, you feel like you got a good workout in, that's fine if your goal is just general fitness. Mm-hmm. But if you want to be a runner and improve your paces and improve your distances and run forever, all you're doing is hurting your body. Mm-hmm. And one thing uh, to know, if you're running in zone three, all the time, a red flag is you're actually PRing. 
all the time. So if you go out the door and every single day you have a new PR and you're even faster, you have a new 5K PR, new 10K PR, your paces are just dropping so fast. That's a red flag. Not getting enough recovery, your cortisol levels are through the roof. And one of two things is going to happen if not both of these things, you're either going to plateau Mm-hmm. you're going to burn out and hurt yourself. Right. right. And so that's something I've, I've been reading up on also on this, and which is so interesting that we, we think to run faster, we need to train faster, which is counterintuitive is what I'm learning through the reading, but that's the intuitive, you know, approach we have to it. And I listened to this really good analogy of somebody saying, well, if you were to go in and strength train and you were to bench press, you know, your max would be a hundred pounds, just to put a number there, for instance, you wouldn't go in and train at a hundred pounds, right? That would not be where you started out if that's where you are hoping to, you know, end up at. And so it helped put things into perspective that way, because I've certainly been at fault for also just thinking of why I got to go out there and just run, 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 right? Exactly. And that's what most people think. And kind of a fun thing is I think a lot of people hate running because of this, because they spend every single day in zone three. And honestly, it's miserable because you don't recover. You have to push yourself every time it hurts. That's it's fun to do every once in a while, but it, it hurts to do that every single day and, and people get burnt out or they get injured. Right. And I have seen so many people start doing 80-20 running and they slow down on their runs and all of a sudden they're like, I I used to hate running and now I love it. Yeah. It's yeah. my favorite thing. And I really, this is the key to learning how to love to run. Right. Yes. No, I definitely love this, this groove that I'm finding myself in also. Um, so I love how you kind of gave everybody the, the, the basic of the zones and the 80, 20, I guess here where I'm, where I'm at now is we need to talk about how we find our zones. Mm-hmm. And I had a question from somebody and I got wondering about it for myself also. Let's see. So do we immediately go into 80, 20, or do we build a base for a while in zone two. Does that make sense? Because I started out doing the Maffetone, the 180 minus age as my high end zone two, right? And so what he says is that, you know, you you start for a while until you start noticing that there's no more progress. That's when you start adding in your zones four and five speed work into it. So I was kind of curious. I wanted to touch on that also with you today. Yeah. So this would be my my opinion or, or my advice is I think it's important to have your zone two work and your sprints all year round. I think you should always be sprinting. Now that doesn't mean that you just jump into 80-20 running and you're doing two to three speed work days a week. Uh, you do need to ease into the speed work. And the way I would recommend doing that is at least starting with strides. So a stride is a 20 second burst and, and you can do strides during your run, or you can do strides after your run. I wouldn't do them before your run because you you want to be warm. So stride is a 20 second burst. We're going to slowly ramp up your speed. You're going to get up to about 80% of your max speed and then ramp back down. And this is just a 20 second burst. And then you want to rest two to four minutes in between each stride. And what this does is that it gets your literally resting or you're going at zone two, going at zone two, just to get your heart rate back down to the zone two. And what this does is that it gets, it improves your running economy. It it gets some speed work in 
without pulling you out of your zone two because it's so quick and there's mm. such a long every time in between each of them it doesn't pull you out of your zone two. So that doesn't count as your like 20% high intensity for the week, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. I see. So that's a great way to start with speed work. And I would say incorporate strides all year round. You should never stop doing strides. And this is a way to make sure that there's always a piece of speed work in your training. So I would start, let's see, one suggestion I'd have This is a really, really easy way to incorporate 80-20 if you don't want to, you know, calculate everything. Like, am am I getting 20% of my of my total mileage, like that can be really complicated. If you don't have somebody creating the program for you, for instance. Yeah. And that's the option is to get someone to track it all for you. Right. But another option is every single run you run for eight minutes in zone two, and Mm -hmm. then two minutes in zone four, eight minutes in zone two, two minutes in zone four. Yeah. I like that. That's so intuitive. I saw your, your post on that. And I really, it really appealed to me because like you said, it's, it's just very simple. I can, I can go out and do that. It's not gonna, you know, have me stopping or worrying about it. Am I in the right, you know, zone right now or heart rate? So yeah. yeah. So that's a good way to to start. And, and again, if you haven't been sprinting, make sure that you're listening to your body. You don't want to go sprinting too hard and, and hurt yourself. You do need to ease into it. But really the goal without, you know, keeping track of exactly 80%, 20%, the goal is to get to a point where you're getting one or two speed workouts in a week. And and what the kind of general rule of thumb or what I do with my athletes is I get everyone up to the point where everyone's doing at least one speed workout a week. And then six to eight weeks out from their race is when I'll increase the speed work. And maybe we'll do two speed workouts a week or for really seasoned runners, maybe three speed workouts a week. Mm-hmm. And then everything else is zone two. Everything else is zone two. Okay. Yeah. So like, obviously the long, slow run is zone two and, and however many runs somebody runs in a week. Yeah. There is the effort rate of perceived exertion, which I did like, but if people like me feel that we have such a skewed sense of truly what's an easy run, what's it supposed to feel like, because surely I should be able to run the entire time. And then realizing when I finally do look at a smartwatch that way, way out of zone two, I'm in zone three, right? How do you recommend, like I said, I've been using the Maffetone. I don't know. I mean, I know there are so many different ways of doing it. What's your, what's your recommendation to your athletes? So this is what I teach my athletes. My athletes don't actually have like their exact zones. They're like, this is your zone one. This is your zone two. This is your zone three. I'm really, really big on just going by fill to determine your zone. So what, what I recommend for my athletes and is I don't want them to look at their heart rate when they're running because, because then it's too easy to, to get obsessed with the numbers and get obsessed with the stats. And, and this also depends on the athlete. Some people do good with that, but from what I've seen, most people get obsessed with it and they disconnect from their body. They just replace the obsession with the, the distance or pace with the obsession of, on heart rate, right? Is what I hear you say. Right, right. Yeah. So what I have them do is I have them go off of rate of perceived exertion. So how does it feel? And then at the end of the run, they can check their average heart rate. And then that's when we can determine if they're going too fast or going too slow. So the average heart rate with the wrist monitor, it's usually pretty darn accurate. 
But oh, if really? it is, yeah. But if you're running with your heart rate on your watch and you're watching it while you run, mm-hmm. some watches, even like high quality Garmin watches can be as much as 50% off of your actual heart rate. So wrist monitors, second to second, the heart rate is not very accurate. So it, it's just, it's hard to trust it. I've had times in the past in my training, I've been there where I'm obsessed with my heart rate. I'm obsessed right. with numbers. And there were times where I was like this, my heart rate was all over the place. It, mm-hmm. it, my watch, it wasn't making any sense. And it just totally threw my training off. And so once I turned my heart rate off and I started going by fill, that's when things started falling into place. So so typically I, I tell my athletes and it kind of depends on, on their age and their fitness level. I usually want their heart rate to be under 150 or under 140. And so when they look at their average heart rate after the run, we just want to make sure it's, it's below whatever I've, I've kind of decided is the, what you've determined is there. Cause I know for instance, for me, it would be one third or even lower just because of my age. Right. Yeah. 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 It does get lower. Really, the only way to know your specific heart rate zones is by getting a metabolic test or also known mm-hmm. as a VO2 max test, which right. is a $300 test that sure. you have to take every two to three months. Oh, wow, uh, yeah. so if you have the money and you have the time and you sure. love the numbers, that's something you want to do. Yeah. That's most people can't do that. Right. So I, I would really just say to answer, how do you know your heart rate zones? is going off of rate of perceived exertion. And I know that that kind of, that's not a, it's not a fun answer. Cause, cause we want. It's not a data driven. <laughs> right. Yeah. But no, I, I feel like running is and, and building programs. I feel like it's more of an art than a science. If that Ooh. makes sense. Ooh. I think that goes against norm in running. I don't know in the running circles, I could imagine, but I like that. And I, and really what I want to pull out from that again, is just really amplify what I hear you say that it's mind and body rather than really just, you know, mind over body. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And from there you can really nurture that love of running. I think one of the things that surprises people the most I've noticed, and certainly for myself, is that the way I've thought of running in the past, so pace has never been my big thing, but I've just always kind of locked it as distance. Well, now throwing everything kind of up in the air and realizing that a lot of it will go much slower. I'm not able to get the same distances in in the same time frame. So what I've encouraged everybody I've talked to to do is just say, go out for a certain amount of time, set your timer for, I don't know, 50 minutes or an hour, however long you can spare that you used to do and go out for that. And then whatever distance you get in, you get in and see that as a quality workout, right? But can you expand a little on that? Because I think for people, they're kind of like, well, surely if I only make it, let's say for me, it's anywhere from three and a half to four miles in an hour, as opposed to maybe five to five and a half miles in an hour. Am I really getting the same workout? And is that little voice in the back of my head, right? But on the other hand, if I'm wrapping my head around, like you're saying that we're opening ourselves up to a different experience and running plus zone two running from what I read is more quality. Plus it it's fat burning as opposed to all anaerobic. That's not fat burning. It should be better in the long run. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Mm -hmm. So the point 
of zone two running is to build a foundation or to build a, or build a base, right? And the bigger your base is, the more potential you have as an athlete or more we can build on top. The way I like to say it is zone two is like you're making the dough to, to your pizza. Zone two is the dough. And then zone four and zone five is the toppings. And and the bigger- <laughs> That's a the fun analogy. Is, the bigger your pizza is, the more toppings you can put on top of it. Okay, and so the bigger your foundation, the, the better you are at, at getting into your zone two foundation. The, the more time you spend in zone two. So every minute you spend in zone two, you're building your foundation. So the more time you're in zone two, the bigger your foundation is, the bigger your foundation is, the more potential you have as an athlete. Yeah. So what's interesting about it is you'll see aerobic athletes spend all this time in zone two and, and barely do any speed work. And then all of a sudden they, they go run a race at a pace that's, you know, three, four minutes faster than all their zone two runs and, and they win or they get a PR and all of a sudden they can run super fast because they just have built that foundation. Right. So to answer your question, I think it's, again, it's a matter of letting go of the numbers and mm. because, you know, the, the miles are sexy, right? We all want to post like, look how many miles that yeah. ran. <laughs> and, and the more miles you get, the more kudos you get. Right. Right. So, so my advice would be to detach from the miles. Mm. I am I'm huge on running by time instead of by miles, especially in my realm with trail runners, because every trail is different. Um, you know, a one mile flat trail is going to be way different than a one mile trail with a thousand feet of climbing. So going based off of uh, time, another reason I really like it is because uh, you, you tune into your body. So for example, if you were assigned to do five miles one day and you were feeling really yucky, like maybe you had three really hard workouts in a row, you didn't sleep very well the night before, uh, your heart rate's a little bit higher than normal, you're going to be slower on those five miles. And, and maybe it takes you an hour and a half to run five miles when it usually takes you an hour versus if it's time on feet and your goal for the day is to run one hour, then you can adjust and, and you can realize, okay, I didn't sleep very well. I had some hard workouts. My heart rate is higher than normal. I'm going to be slower today, but you're still going to get that hour in. Right. So, so it, it allows you to, to listen to your body. Now, that being said, and I'm trying not to get too technical, the miles still are important because most of us are training for a mileage race, either a half marathon, a marathon. So we still want to make sure that we can cover those miles. So, so what I say is to focus on time on feet, but also pay attention to the miles, but just, just don't get obsessed with the miles. And, and it's just, you know, a matter of kind of swallowing your pride and being okay with posting less miles on Strava. Yeah. Yeah. Stay in your lane. I think I shared that last week in my group, stay in your lane and realize that your, your goal is, is slightly different now. Right. And, you know, just really have the eye on the prize of, like you said, build that foundation, I think. So, yeah. and so also I would really like you to touch a little bit on, because I think we have detached from the fact that our bodies are not the same day in and day out, that we are impacted by what's gone on previously. We're impacted by, you know, things around us. And now that we're tuning in to our body more and running because we're becoming zone two runners, we're noticing the difference between one day and the next and the next. 
where maybe in a zone three mindset, we would just kind of squash it down and, and ignore it and power through, right? You know, hell or high water kind of thing, right? Because it mattered that we get through it in the same amount of time or, you know, because we're of that mindset. To speak a little bit up to all the things that can really impact you know, the the body's ability to recover, like um, poor hydration, for instance, could be one I can think of and poor sleep or not enough sleep. But what are some other things? Well, one thing that came to mind is I think it's especially important for female athletes to pay attention to their bodies because of our, our hormones and, and our cycles. I feel like that's really important to be aware of. You mentioned sleep, hydration, nutrition, that is another huge one, especially for runners. You need to make sure that you're eating enough. Most Mm. is most of your audience female is a kind of a mix of female and male. I think predominantly female. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't have the stats on the gender, but yeah. Okay. Females tend to not eat enough as athletes. You're, and that's, uh, anyways, that, that's just something that that you need to pay attention to. I think sometimes we're, we're scared to eat more, but but food is fuel and that's, that's super important. Also life stressors, kids, family drama, uh, other things that are going on. It's the thing is running is running is a stressor and, and your body can't tell between running stress versus work stress. It's just stress. And if you're stressed at work, then you come home and you stress your body in a hard run and then you don't sleep very well. And uh, what it's going to, your cortisol levels are going to go through the roof. Uh, You're, there's going to be more inflammation. Your body's going to hang on to more water. You're going to feel heavier. You're going to be slower. So it's just pay attention to the stressors in your life. And one thing that I'd say there is time and a season for everything. If mm-hmm. if you just had a kid or you have young kids at home or you have a stressful, stressful job, maybe just realize, well, give yourself grace and realize maybe now is not the time to be increasing my mileage, increasing my intensity or trying to get a PR. Maybe this time and season is just maintain my fitness. And then mm. when things pop down, then I can uh, ramp up my training. So just I like that so much. Yeah. So just paying attention to the stresses in your life and making sure that you're taking care of yourself. And one more thing that I want to throw in there is mm-hmm. with sleep, my advice would be never, ever sacrifice sleep for a workout. If it's between getting enough sleep or getting your workout in, get enough sleep because that affects everything. And doing a workout on not enough sleep is not productive. So always get your sleep in. Yeah, no, that's really good advice. And and that is kind of one of my, that's my Achilles heel in a way, because that's always been where I can just fit more and I can just, you know, get up earlier, that's kind of policy, right. you know, with a, with a full-time job and a family and you know, whatever else I wanted to do all. So that was always some of the things that I ended up compromising, but I really like how you're bringing this all around again to running is really, you know, a mindful thing. But I think so many of us come into it, not seeing it as that we see it as a punishment or a negative enforcer. But we have the ability now with what we are, what we are being exposed to what we know, to kind of turn it around. And and don't you just see so many spillover effects in the rest of your life from that? I mean, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just amazing a mindset change like that, right? And and I'm not saying like throw all the stats and the numbers out the window. Like it's it's important. It, you you still want to pay attention to those things. You just don't want to be obsessed, right? With you the don't numbers. want to carry that tension and anxiety around with you in it, right? 
And I just, I really thought it was such a, a neat comment and I've heard it before, but you brought it up and saying that, that the body can't tell the difference between, you know, is it running stress or is it another kind of stress to the body? It's stress and we need to recognize that. And so have that grace around the body and, and take care of our body the way that, you know, the best that we can, like we would maybe take care of, you know, our firstborn baby or whatever, you know, kind of give our bodies that same treatment because sometimes we're really hard on our bodies I think (laughs) you know I I was thinking about that recently my brother recently had a baby and and I was I remember I was just watching everyone take care of the baby when the baby cried it got food immediately when the baby was tired it went down immediately the baby got its needs taken care of immediately and I remember thinking why don't we take care of ourselves like that when we're hungry why don't we go when we're tired why don't we go take a nap why when we're adults why do we neglect our needs yeah yeah no that's a very good question right we've gotten stuck in a structure an external structure and perceived expectations but i like how you're bringing it back to that running really truly offers this this opportunity of taking a new look and i think especially running in zone two or doing the 80 20 running right i i I really feel that that's a new lease on running again of course for me also running form is a big thing but those two things combined is this is how running can be with you till you're you know you can be racing into your 70s 80s if you become smart about how you do it right Exactly. So you yeah. just gotta let, you know, let the grandma pass you on the trail and yeah, you know, just, just trust the process. It's trust the process. Very good. It. Yeah, that's always what I tell my athletes who are struggling to slow down. I'm like, just trust the process. It'll pay off. I like that. That's a good that's a good phrase. Let me just double check. I think I got all my questions answered. I love this so much. Where can people find you? I mean, I'll for sure drop all your your links and whatnot, but give him real quick your Instagram profile again. Thank you. You can find me on Instagram at the pine tree runner. That's the best. so cute. <laughs> She's out running amongst <laughs> the trees all the time. <laughs> the pine tree runner on Instagram. Very cool. And there is a link to your website and whatnot there. Yes. And then tell people real quick what kind of run coaching you do for people. Yeah. So I specialize mainly in helping people cross the finish line of their first ultra race. And I do, I do, that's kind of my main specialty. I also do shorter trail running and a little bit of road too, but that's kind of my main thing is ultra running. And if you want to listen to the episode that we did earlier with Melody, it's episode nine and it was on her ultra running experience. And real quick again, just give us the title of your podcast. Oh yes. It's trail to 100. Trail to 100. Very cool. Thank you, Melody. It was a pleasure. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I know that my listeners are going to get a lot out of this conversation. So thank you so much. They didn't get too confused. (laughs) No, I'm sure they didn't. (laughs) It was great. Thank you. I'd like to tell you about a very special event I'm offering this summer. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and you're ready to feel happier, more confident and empowered while running, I invite you to join me this summer at the Running Align Body and Mind Women's Retreat right here in north central wyoming at the foothills of the majestic bighorn mountains i'll personally work with you to help you how to take the chore out of running the retreat will teach you that running can be a vital and enjoyable part of your life but most importantly the five-day in-person experience 
will help you connect to you. To learn more, see the link in our show notes. So if running is our practice ground and we can turn every experience into fuel, then we can transfer it to the rest of our life and positively impact our whole world. Just one run at a time.